0: to connect to the community of the Unless Sunny Moon podcast and also to connect to your
2: lovely hosts. I actually have a theory about why stand-up comedy is never good in movies, which is that they uh, even in the good ones, like I think hacks is pretty good for stand-up comedy, but the thing that they've never done is they've never actually done the set in front of real people and made sure that it gets laughs because the bar for stand-up for getting a laugh every thir- 30 seconds is so high that until you've actually done it with the material, you have no idea if it like we as comics know 95% of everything you say gets thrown in the trash. And so Gene Smart never went on the road to do that material, and so it just doesn't quite have. Why and they would never she? Will. And they, well, <laughs> they also couldn't do it because it would
0: it production-wise, it would take too long. It takes too yeah. long to build a, even a five-minute set for production. They would just never be able to get it off the ground. That voice, that dulcet tone. Well, are we starting? I think we're starting. That's Adam Conover. Hello. This is the Endless Honeymoon Podcast. I'm Moshe. I'm his wife. That's my wife. And Adam, thank you for
2: joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Am I, am I sitting too far away? Should I? Be I think you're closer? good, right? Okay. He's good. You're perfect. No, it's okay. awkward. We well, How intimate used, should this show be? We
1: used to make. Well, because we have different closer. cameras. <laughs> Wait, should I sit closer to him?
2: Oh yeah, sit on that crack, There we boy. go. Yeah. There we go. Let the farts go right um, down into the couch.
0: Well, Adam's not only a, a very funny stand up comedian Thank and you. has a couple of wonderful television programs as well.
1: I was on his television program. You were.
2: What? Yeah. Which episode were you on? Wait.
1: I was on the one about music.
2: That sounds right. And oh, like, were you an naps, executive?
1: Like, like, Yes. yes, and like, but I learned so much just from that day of work. I mean, you really do. And I was first turned on to you because I was pregnant, and people were like, "His breastfeeding episode." <laughs> like, it's so amazing. Like the uh, the range of topics you covered, and yeah. not just things that were like you know important to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that breastfeeding. You care not nothing important at all about
0: you. breastfeeding, right? You told me that privately
2: before we started rolling. <laughs> I thought it was an academically interesting topic, and it, but it turns out it meant a lot to women who saw this. I saw, no, no but,
1: but it really did because, yeah, like, it, it really it was, getting it was a good the
2: clip because the, I got sent to it got sent
0: to me and I was and it it's good comedy when it makes you laugh and you and you are genuinely like desirous to share it mm-hmm. because of the information in yep. it. I feel like a lot of your stuff is like that it's like this thing is unlocked that wasn't previously that was unlocked. my
2: that was my trick was i was at the beginning I was like oh you can make people laugh but they need someone they need to get something else out of it that makes them want to show it to some, well, somebody else you know what KRS-One calls that what edutainment <laughs> KRS-One, the rapper, calls it that? He he's, an,
1: still, he's still
0: this was coining old. phrases? He, no, this was a long time ago. He had an album called Edutainment. Oh, okay. And I believe he coined the phrase, Edutainment. Um, <laughs> and we were wondering if you could edu Edu- edutain us, us yeah. tonight because not only are you a great comic not only do you have these great TV shows but you're also on the WGA board is yes uh, about that...
2: the board of the Writers Guild of America West
0: Yeah, yes and we are currently on strike yes. um, Natasha, the writers in Hollywood
1: Natasha
2: is in hard... New
1: York I suppose
2: in New York and LA we're all on strike and I'm also on the negotiating committee I should say which That's means I've been in the room core. so yeah. you got
0: like information that you literally couldn't
2: share on this podcast. No, actually everything is very public. Like there's a period when we're in the negotiations where we keep it quiet because like anything that's said might not hold up. You don't want to let people know like the, the day to day it gets a little bit too detailed. But after we leave, when we go to the members, we say, here's exactly what they proposed. And so I could, I can talk about all like the press blackout is, is off right now. I can do it. Well,
1: I don't even know what the press blackout is.
2: Oh, that—that's just like while we're in the room. Like I can't, I can't like do press. Like if you asked me, like three days before the strike, hour are things going? I'd have to say I can't tell you right now. I see. But now it's fine. I can. Now I can, can say tell anything. you it's It went horribly. We're on strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. what?
1: What I heard is that the studios and networks will make this last at least ninety days, so they can cancel all of the. Um, the the deals overalls and the stuff. overalls that they don't want to pay anymore, and I know personally friends who've already got them canceled, so it'll last at least 90 days so they can force majeure all of that. Is I'm, that true? I'm, I'm
0: worried about that because you know that I have an all-over deal, right? An all-over I mean, all deal? A, I have an overall... I, I have an deals overall, all over. I have an overall deal uh, yeah. at Oshkosh and Bagash <laughs> right now. So it took me a while... It was, hard one, well, it
2: was a good one. What was a good one? It actually was... got me quite
0: well. <laughs> I mean, I struggled to get it out, but once I got
2: it out, your reaction made it feel worth it, which was really good. Well, I was, I was fucking it up so much on the way with the all over thing. Um, so look, the overall deal thing, that's a little bit of a canard that people say, like it, it's, it's a thing that people say that sort of de- designed to undermine a strike a little bit like before the strike people were saying oh they can't wait for us to go on strike because they're going to cancel all, they're going to get to cancel all those overall deals um but and my like, friend
1: got her deal canceled and now yes. she doesn't have money and yes. they're trying to not pay her for a show she did half of
2: yeah because we're because we're on strike that's that's right, unfortunately right, right. none you know no one's getting paid and it's a bummer that like people who are on overall deals and are losing a lot of money they have a lot of solidarity and and that's we thank them for that you know being willing to take that step um but The fact, but look, the number of overall deals that these companies might have that they hate and they wish they could get out of like sure maybe they gave somebody you know a hundred million dollars like i don't know what's one of the really big people who they gave a lot of money uh, maybe they're going oh that person wasn't worth it sure we'd like to save 10 million by cutting them loose early that doesn't compare to the amount of money they're losing by not getting new shows by having a shut down productions that are currently being made like they are losing more money than than writers are um so so i i I think the look—it's likely to last a couple months, but it's for other reasons. It's—it's not for that. Overalls are like not the biggest piece of the picture.
0: Let me take it like a step back because I feel like uh, our listeners. I don't know that we have a particular. I mean, not that we don't, but it's this is not like a comedy inside baseball podcast. Yeah. Uh, mostly these are uh, pe- twenty year
2: olds looking for love. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: These are people looking for dick. They uh, didn't, laugh, the, at your,
2: the- they didn't <laughs> laugh at your Oshkosh Pagash joke because they've literally been thinking we're talking about overalls the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Natasha, you, we were talking tonight about this conversation. Natasha was like, "I don't feel like I even understand what's happening." Yeah, and and she's a WGA member. So yes. so for uh, just for the listeners, the Writers Guild of America is on strike uh, because our contract came up. How did we get here? Can we just start at like sort of baby steps? What happened?
2: Uh, So yeah, the Writers Guild of America, we are a union. We represent uh, about 12,000 writers for film and television. We have a contract called the MBA or minimum basic agreement. We we renegotiate it every three years. Um, We have a democratic process. I'm a member of our democratically elected leadership. People voted for me. I'm not paid. I'm a volunteer. Um, We spend all three years Figuring out what the membership needs and what their issues are, we survey people. We have meetings. You do stuff this like for that. free. <laughs> we do this for free. Yeah. Well, we we have. Paid... Are you bummed you got put in this job? I mean, I I just like doing it. Like well, it is, me, it is weirdly rewarding. Let me say and before you to go on this podcast. well know, yeah, that about. that
0: is a huge boon. But I will say <laughs> we would have had Adam, you anyway without oh, all that free labor. I will say, Adam, as we as we are giving you accolades and love, the you have been a remarkably uh, erudite, eloquent, and um, like sort of effective spokesperson for this particular Thank strike you. just in the stuff that I've been seeing it's like it's nice to see a comic doing that you mm-hmm. know and 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 you're really well poised to to speak to this stuff not just because of your position but also you're doing really well for us, and we and I appreciate it. I appreciate it
1: too. I was just I was just kidding. Like, oh I no. just the idea of doing all of that though sounds incredibly taxing.
2: I mean, it, it's time consuming. In the low periods, it's a meeting or two a month to be on the board. It's and you know, it's not that big a deal. And you get sucked into it because I got very involved in in the action we did a couple of years ago, where we fired all of our agents to get rid of their conflicts of interest. We don't need to get into that, but I got involved in that, and then I just enjoyed. You know, being a part of it, and then you enjoyed
1: like, firing your agent, huh? I,
2: I mean, it was really fun. <laughs> I was like, hey, "Fuck you, you know? <laughs> get out of here!" And now I've got all new agents that are better, frankly. Um, and uh, but but after a while, people are like, "Oh, you should run for board," and and I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll, let me give it a try." And it happened to be when you know lined up with with our contract expiration, uh, and and so now I'm in the middle of this of this crazy strike while being in leadership. Um, but like, okay, so we find out what people's needs are. Um, and it turns out that what writers needs are, are like really desperate right now um, because the companies, meaning the streamers and the studios and the networks have spent the last like five to 10 years taking money away from writers using all these contractual tricks. And it's different depending on whether you're talking about episodic, like narrative TV, like, you know, Yellowstone or shows like that um, or Wednesday or whatever, or film screenwriting has different issues. And then comedy variety, which is what I do. And most stand-up comics do that's late night stuff like that it also covers uh um you know daytime uh that has its own issues um and one of the reasons i got involved in the board by the way is because uh another member told me uh, this guy matt gunn who writes for bill maher was like we've never had on the writers guild america west we've never had like a comedy variety late night stand-up type person on the board ever all those people are normally on the east Mm -hmm. uh, which is a separate union it's a little bit complicated we need to get into that part um but uh so uh, we have been hearing from members that like they can't make a living in Los Angeles or New York anymore. Uh, the companies have created these things called mini rooms where they uh, shove people into a small room and make them write a large number of episodes in a very short period of time. It's, for, a, regu- it's a regular a size room. Their- <laughs> I've been in some mini rooms. The, the, the size of the
0: room... Listen, I'm a union man, but I feel. Is it, it
1: called a mini room because of the amount of people? Like they have fewer people
2: and fewer and little and little time, right? Well, they also call it mini as an excuse for paying you less. Mm. <laughs> or mini um, checks, yeah. Honestly, you know, like I did a mini room,
1: and I don't think I ever got paid. You know
0: the publishers' clearinghouse checks? They give you the opposite of those. They're very very tiny, <laughs> and they hand them over. So it's basically a trick to just get the same amount of labor extracted for a smaller pay a smaller amount of time. Correct.
2: For like about a third of the pay. Right. Um, and so you have people who we could get into exactly what the loophole is. Um, it might be a little bit inside baseball um, but they did it by separating writing from production. They they have you write the whole show before, before they've picked it up to production. Right. And then they say well since it's not in production mm-hmm. you're never going to go to set so we don't need to pay you your producer fee which for writers you, it's kind of everything. It, it, that's like about half to two thirds of your pay is normally your producer fee. And so I think that people yeah. don't this up. is
0: this is why I wanted to have you on. It's not just to it's because I feel like there's something for the public. It can be difficult to find sympathy with a bunch of Hollywood writers saying we're not being paid fairly. It sounds it uh, yeah. it sounds false to the working man ear, but but I think that that's because of a lack of information of the yeah. way that that writers historically and contemporarily string together. Our living, which is like you're saying, it's a little bit from column A, it's a little bit from column yeah. B, and then you have a living. And what the studios have done over the years is very slowly make the columns smaller and less and less existent. Correct. And, 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 and
1: streaming used to be a smaller part five years ago, and now yeah. it's just growing and growing and growing and growing. And people aren't getting any residuals for streaming. It isn't streaming the whole pie now.
2: Streaming is so much more of the business, and our con- our contractual terms are much worse than streaming. Mm. So actually, if you write a narrative. Te- TV, if you're writing like for Wednesday, actually your pay is pretty good. Your residual should be better in some areas, but they're like okay. Um, and that's the number one and getting show getting better. That's, uh, num- you know that's the I number mean. one show. Yeah, but if you write, for example, let me just give you an example here. Again, comedy variety, what I do, late night, um, is in streaming we have no minimum, no minimum pay at all. We have no guaranteed length of employment. So so look, when I wrote Adam Ruins Everything, which you were very nice to say nice things about, on True TV, it was the smallest channel on on, on basic cable. Um, all my writers had a minimum amount that they were paid, a couple thousand bucks a week. Um, they had a guaranteed term. We could, we could employ them for no less than 13 weeks, which is like, three months is like not that long to know you have a job, but at least it's something, right? And uh, the residuals were like good. You know, like my my first year... My first residuals check was like low five figures, you know, and so it was for all of our writers and writers like I got to pay my rent with the residuals and that as a writer is what tides you over because it can be years between your jobs. Right. Right. That's one of the reasons people go, oh, wow, like four thousand bucks a week. Sounds good to me. Well, except that as a writer, you only usually work about six months a year, nine months a year, and it might be a year before your next job. So. But that that was on basic cable. I made basically the same show for Netflix. It was called The G Word. It was less episodes. Basically the same format. They wanted me to do what I do on Netflix. When I was in our first meeting with the line producer, and we were talking about writers, he said, hey, good news. We can do whatever we want with writers. There's no restrictions. <laughs> we, we could we could pay them a dollar. We could pay them a dollar a day. Hire them one day, fire them the next day. No, he, no he never l-
0: researched you at all. You're like <laughs> yeah. wrong guy,
2: dude. <laughs> yeah. You're like I'm going to do a special about this. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm an EP, right? So so as an EP, I'm like. Uh, you know, I see all the other APs going like, ding, 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 great. That's going to save a lot of money. But as a writer, I'm like, my blood runs cold. It's you
0: know? a good news, Che Guevara. We yep. can completely colonize <laughs> Cuba in less than a month. It's going to be
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then I got, I actually literally just a week ago got my residuals for the first year of the G word being on Netflix. And it was a total for all six episodes for a full year. It was $500. Wow. Which is like. Basically zero compared to, again, if it was on basic cable, it would have been, you know, it could have been 20,000. And, and again, this, I have had writers say, this is what allows me to pay my rent. Um, I'm not saying like, I got to have $20,000 right now. I'm saying the drop off, especially in comedy variety, what we do from cable to streaming is like obscene. And that's one of the things that we're fighting for. And so how do we get here? Right. In the negotiating room, we said, okay, one of the things we need this year is, you know, streaming has been around for 15 years. We need the same terms, for comedy variety on uh, on on streaming that we have on television, if you write for Amber Ruffin's show right on on Peacock shoots in the same studio as Seth Meyers' show, you should be getting the same pay and residuals as Seth Meyers. You know, um, just because ones on NBC, ones on Peacock should make make a difference. The company's totally stonewalled on that. They said we're not doing that. Um, Where we want to be able to hire people on a day rate, we want to be able to hire you one day and fire you the next day. And what makes wh- the reason we're on strike is that like existential you know to the writers guild so you know you guys know late night as a stand-up comic that's like the one good job in stand-up comedy right is you could go write for a late night show like stand-up comedy itself is like an okay gig a lot of people can't make a living at it you know it's like oh man i'm lucky i got i got booked once this month but you know oh man if you can work for a late night show that's a way to write our kind of comedy and buy a house have kids all those sorts of things right if they were to you know, five years from now, everything's on streaming, but there's no 13 week guarantee. There's no minimum. It's just like, hey, come in on Friday, write a couple jokes. You know, that's not a career anymore. Suddenly, that's a gig. Suddenly, that's something where you feel lucky if the Tonight Show brings you in for one day a month. You know, in between stand up comedy gigs.
0: Yeah, they're trying to do basically a magic trick, which is they're trying to say, no, that's different. TV, that's that's the gold standard as if n- everyone isn't aware of the fact that no one watches TV anymore. You know, it's like we all know that yeah. everything is ported over to streaming and they're trying to pretend that it's somehow a lesser rung of, yeah. of, of the food chain when everybody kind of already knows that it isn't. And I, and, and you were, I think it was, I don't remember what show you were on talking about the, the pay of the CEO of, of, I think, CNN. I was on
2: CNN, yeah. You were on CNN <laughs> talking shit about Yeah, there yes, you go. Yes, I was. Oh, I like
0: that. <laughs> Bringing it right to their door. But that is the way that I think this so becomes... So they're trying
1: to grab more money from the top to... Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure I've said this before. Cause it's like one of the things that I really remember from life, but I dated this billionaire and his dad was <laughs> rich, but he was obsessed with his dad's number in the, in the fortune 500. And he would uh, be up late at night, making sure that his dad was like number seven and not number eight. And I think that's kind of what happens to, I mean, that's like an extreme case, Yeah. but like that is the late stage capitalism. It's like, yep. I want to be the, I don't, it's not enough for me to be the billionaire. I want to be the person, who's like above that guy. And right. so the only way to be above that that guy is to rip off everybody else and, some, and they know yeah. how to do it. And, and
0: something else happened too, which is that, correct me if I'm wrong because you're the expert here, but that we used to be in entertainment Though it was definitely a greed-based, capitalistic system forever, it still had this like folksy. We got it's our yes. little world. We're making. Hey, we're paramount. I'm gonna Correct. cut a head off of this horse and put it in yeah.
2: your bed. Oh, let's go to Dantana's and hang out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. it
0: became <laughs> Apple and Amazon, Correct. and it became basically what's happening with tech and with every other big corporation in the world, which is that it was all about shareholders and it was all about increasing. It, Tiny little profit margins yep. in order to make
2: stock uh, shareholders happy, and that starts with Netflix. Netflix is the one that brought that into the industry because Netflix, their basic strategy was to Uberize content, like or television.
1: After swallowing Comedy Central whole,
2: yeah. Exactly. Well, C- Comedy Central is a great example. What a wonderful brand that like supported so much of comedy. Now, lo- now no longer exists, right?
1: Well, they actually do exist. I have a show with them, but you okay. know, it's like they're
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, they're
1: coming back. They're but basically I'm just the saying...
0: the true TV of the next generation. No, but, if that makes sense. But what
1: they, what, I'm, when I say swallowed it whole, yeah. I mean they took away. Uh, you know, no one has yeah. special uh, Netflix. Just like yeah. had the new game for everyone wanted A Netflix special, they didn't care about a Comedy Central special because Comedy Central specials weren't yeah. streaming. Comedy
2: Central is basically yellow cab and netflix (laughs) is uber exactly and but you know what we're missing from comedy central when i got started in comedy Comedy Central would produce people's albums mm-hmm. then put them on you know the premium blend show then give them the half hour then do the hour then do the TV show or they put them on the daily show they had a whole pipeline mm-hmm. right and that's what's gone that doesn't exist anymore um, and you know it's Viacom's fault they, they while Sumner Redstone was just like getting his dick sucked by ladies while he was in a coma you know, <laughs> you know the, the CEOs of the people who are running Viacom that's what was happening I just read a book about it <laughs> um, uh, the, that wasn't the, a comedic riff that was a I- history fact. It was like slightly <laughs> elevated, <laughs> but just very slightly. But I, I mean, for real, it's bizarre what happened. Uh, the people running Viacom, which ran Comedy Central, just ran it into the ground and completely missed the, ability, the, the chance to compete with Netflix. But so Netflix comes in and says, we're going to use this pile of investor money To pay everybody a whole bunch of money at first. Right. But then also break the way that television had been made for decades. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just throw money around. We'll disrupt the system and we'll build a monopoly. And that's they attempted to do the same thing that Uber did to cabs is like put put those out of business. But now that those old places are out of business, or at least Netflix has like swallowed much of the industry, people look around and go, hold on a second, No, now we're not making any money. Now we cannot get paid. And so Netflix has been the vanguard of these companies that they, they look for new contractual innovations, new ways to structure our payment with the only goal of being to pay us less. And the reason they're doing that is they have, they have the same strategy as Uber. They claim to be a tech company, but their actual purpose is to make is to pay people less. That is how they save money and return money to the shareholders. So this is what I was going to say. Wait, hold on.
1: They pay people less, and that's how they give money they, to they, the shareholders. They cut okay. their
2: labor costs. Okay. Their, their, their goal is to cut their labor costs as low as possible. And they're doing it to writers, but they're also doing it to actors, crew members, everybody else. Um, the the writers we just happen to have historically the strongest most militant union that actually has the ability to go on strike and, and that's the smartest
1: people probably if you had to say <laughs> if you
2: read the signs in Hollywood what's
1: the smartest union it's not the actors sorry
0: <laughs> well this is what I was gonna say in terms of relatability is I do think it is hard. To be sitting in, you know, working at a fucking I don't know what at an arena in Ohio and looking at writers and going, I oh that's the same struggle that I deal with, but it actually is yeah. because it's it, it even if you don't feel you can relate to the work or the lifestyle of the people that are that are striking, the scenario of corporate boss is trying to squeeze profit from every every possible area and it's it's affecting your ability to make a living, yes. pay your bills, live your life. That is something that. That almost everybody in America is dealing with, and that is the—it's the same scenario. It's what you were saying. The CEO of CNN is making to 200, made two hundred fifty million dollars last year. That
2: money doesn't come from anywhere but from the paycheck of Correct. the worker. And the only reason anyone thinks of Hollywood writer as being an affluent job as like a middle-class or upper middle-class job is because we've had strong unions, uh, protecting us the entire time and fighting for that piece of the pie. And now the companies, the streamers are trying to take it away from us, just like they're trying to take it away from everybody else. Other people other, and other jobs have had, look at auto workers, right? We have this idea of like, Oh yeah. in the old days like, Oh, an auto that was a good job you could have. And now we know that what, you know, what the companies have done to erode that profession or look at journalism is a perfect example where, you know, used to be, hey, a journalist is a great middle class career. Now every everyone I know working in that field is like, I'm lucky if I sell one blog post for 500 bucks this month.
1: And, and, our, and- isn't AI already taking the jobs from journalists because
2: it, it It is, it looks like it could go in that direction. I mean, people
1: well, have already done it, I think.
2: Yeah, well, websites have already started throwing up AI articles. To me, that is like spam content. So I'm not sure it's yet taking jobs away from journalists, but people are worried that it's going to further make that entire industry like race down the shit pile all the way to the bottom.
0: Well, so that brings us, I think, to, you said the word existential earlier in terms of, uh, day rate with comedy and variety and in yeah. terms of a uh, uh, finding actual equitable versions of residuals for streaming and e- uh, existentially uh, our existential existence is, I think the theme of this strike because mm-hmm. it's yeah. that and, and it's this fight against al- allowing studios to use AI, which that to me feels like that's the true existential that obviously to humanity, blah, 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 but that won't be a very big deal if we all die. What's a big deal is whether or not I can p- still pay my mortgage uh, writing TV. Uh, AI is that's the scary thing and I feel like we're canaries in the coal mine yeah. I feel like that this is the last moment in human history for us to fight against AI taking over
2: that industry is that scary to you I mean, I'm scared because of how the companies reacted to our proposal. Because our proposal, look, when we started putting the proposals together, it was like six months ago. And we said, hey, this AI thing, people are a little worried about it. We're not sure how, what a big deal it's going to be. Let's put some proposals in to cover our bases. And the proposals were basically that they can't use AI to undermine us. They can't force us to adapt the work of an AI. And they can't pass off the work of AI as the work of a writer. As, and they're as like, our work uh-uh. Product. Yeah, and, and we thought... This would be easy for them, cost them nothing to agree to it. The technology currently cannot be used to write scripts. It's not even clear that you can copyright it. and they're not gonna pay $50 million to copyright a movie, to, to film a movie they don't own the copyright to. So we thought this would be an easy yes for them and they totally stonewalled. They, they said, uh-uh. Where they wouldn't even discuss it with us. We'd be in the room with them and be like, you guys need to respond to the AI proposal. And they were just like, no, we rejected it. And, Maybe and they that asked, made us think, you know.
0: Oh, that think made you what? think what? <laughs> that they know that there's something in their back pocket. Correct. But how far into AI are we? A month and a half? Like, yeah. And we're already thinking, wait, what if this takes over our entire industry? Yeah. Like, imagine what AI is going to look like in five years. That's why I mean, this contract to me is like, This is the last hope. Like if you had asked a year ago, Hey, will you not do AI for like 10 years? They'd be like, what's AI? Yeah. We'll agree to
2: that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But like people already like crap. So AI can probably produce crap.
2: I mean, AI, look, what what, uh, I want to put a fine point on what my concern is here because I'm not worried about it taking over in the science fiction way that Elon Musk tells you about, right? Um, what they have invented is, the best way to describe it, is a word calculator. You put words in one end, you put in every script ever written, it can output scripts that look like scripts that are already written. Now, That's that, what
1: hacks do, <laughs> right? Well, I, I mean, I, that's I, like, I, I don't not think the so. TV show, but a, an <laughs> oh, actual that's writing funny.
2: hack. Hey, that's, those are friends of mine. Okay? <laughs> no,
0: I mean, uh, that's- wait, hacks are hacks? Uh, all of them you, got, yeah. Yeah, you got no me. i'm
1: saying if you're a hack you're you don't have talent yeah you, you that is what you're already doing but you're just regurgitating words
2: well uh, uh, okay we could we could maybe say that that's an ex, like an extremely poor writer would do that accept that outputting text is not what a writer does because being a writer also means talking to the studio taking their shitty notes taking them into account just Literally talking to them on the phone. They need someone to talk to. Um, you talk to the actors. You talk to the director to change the lines. You know what costs more than than a, than a different scene? You say, oh, that's too you've written. You know, uh, there. The, 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 you know, the, we have too many locations. It's going to cost too much. We have to reset that scene in the same location. Um, you know, I one of the first things I ever learned on a on a when I was show running my own show was I can't write a scene where someone jumps into a pool. And the line producer was like, we well, can't do that scene. I was like, why not? He's like, because we'd have to reset the wardrobe every time we would need five sets of wardrobe. So you can't, you know, just like basic shit like that. See, right? I would always write so-
1: on another period. I would write scenes, uh, at candlelight, because I looked really good during it.
2: <laughs> this is a great example, because you've been on a set. This is a perfect example, Natasha. I was like,
1: oh, uh, more candlelight scenes, please.
2: You've been on a set. You saw how it looked, right? You had that experience. So writing is a person-to-person activity, mm. right? It always will be. Um, and until they invent literally, like, the little talking AI boy from the movie AI, which is not close, close to us, what we have now are just these word output machines, Um, It's not going to be able to replace us. The concern is that they will still use the technology as an excuse to undermine writers, that they'll do something like, uh, hey, the AI wrote a great script. Now we just need you, Natasha. To
1: punch it up. Exactly right. Oh my God. To
2: punch it up and also take our other notes and also talk to the director and also talk to the actor and also go to set and also do this. Oh, but guess what? You're not the writer. Right. So we're paying you Adam, I have
1: some really bad news. They're going to do this.
2: Right. Unless we get our proposal in place that's why we're finding. that's why so, so what do you do if they
1: keep saying no let's say it's july yeah okay. and they're like mm, we're not going to be doing that we are not going to be we're not going to succumb to your uh deal points we're not going to do it nope sorry uh-uh what do you do
2: well now you're getting into the question of how you wield power in a negotiation and mm. what the writers guild does because the, the uh, uh Uh, part of why I think the writers guilds fight is relatable to workers across America is we are an old fashioned union that uses straight up labor power. We are depriving them of their product. They don't get any new shows until we go back to work. The Duffer brothers who make stranger things, right? They said they're stopping work on stranger things. There's no Ted doesn't get any more episodes, right? Mm. That's Netflix's super bowl, right? That when stranger things comes out, that's when they get most of their subscribers like for the year. So, If Ted knows there's no stranger things He can't tell the stockholders on the earnings call He can't say there's more stranger things Like that hurts him So he's going to need to come to the table eventually and we are also, you know, as writers, hey, we, you know, we we uh, we need to work. We have mortgages to pay. We have a strike fund that we can use to, you know, su- support members who are in need. We also have a fund for for other crew members and folks like that who are in need as well. Uh, but, you know, eventually we might reach a point where our own membership says, oh, God, we really got to get back to it. You know, like, like we can't, uh, please just wrap it up. And the question is, who gets desperate first? I really strongly believe it's them because... The fact is, they need us more than we need them. They absolutely need us because we make the fucking product that they sell. Netflix does nothing but take our work and sell it to people for $15 a month. So if they don't get our work, they have nothing to sell people. And and people are, people are so ready to unsubscribe from Netflix. They subscribe to that service for a month at a time. A new Stranger Things comes out, people subscribe for one month and they immediately cancel, right? They're fighting churn, you know? So they need us.
0: They're Super Bowl before, just so you know. I mean, I'm not taking umbrage to what you said, but- the Stranger Things is their Super Bowl now. The Endless Honeymoon uh, the honeymoon Stand-Up Special with me and Natasha mm-hmm. a few years ago, that, was, that used to be their Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, I have another... We, they got at least a dozen subscribers from this podcast that month. I have so another you know.
1: depressing question for you. Yeah, go for it. How many years are we away from AI being able to create a script that emulates Stranger Things and is the next thing? Um, or can do the job better. Like, you know, like Moshe said it's been out a month.
0: Well, my yeah, my agent, I was talking to my agent when the strike first started happening, he goes, "AI doesn't have to get g- good. He doesn't have to be as good as you. He has to be as good as the worst writer that's working." Like, because the taste of America is p- plummeting so qu- slowly and like so quickly that eventually like the minute AI can be do a, the work of a mediocre show, they'll be like, "Well, that'll be good enough."
2: I mean, look, there's already, there's been algorithmic content, like slop content on the internet for years. Like, it, it, there's been, uh, look at music. People are worried about AI music. Muzak has existed for 50 years, right? People still need pop music. People still need the artist, and I'm, not, I'm really not trying to make some highfalutin claim about the role of an artist, right? But people need, like, those people who look at society and say, here's what people are interested in next. Here's the next thing, you know, so people need to go, man, people feel like this about their jobs this year I'm gonna create office space right and then 20 years later someone says actually this is how they feel about their job I'm gonna create the office and then 20 years later oh it's actually 10 years later but 10 years later someone says I know how people feel about their jobs I'm gonna create severance three different jobs about office three different shows and movies about offices that are totally different in, based in the way they portray. based on the based on the fucking zeitgeist yeah when you write a joke if you write a late night joke right Um, you're, you're a late night writer and you're trying uh, Ted Cruz did something that day you know and you need to write a joke about it you're thinking Okay, who watches the show? What do they think about Ted Cruz? How old are they? They hate Ted Cruz. Okay, what did he do? What was funny about what he did? What was? What does he? What have I that...
1: experienced in my life? And exactly. That's, I was listening to my friend Duncan Trussell's podcast, and he was saying that AI art is like fucking a fleshlight because it's like <laughs> you're not getting whatever the person's. It's just fake. It's yeah. like you're not getting their 20 years of struggle and their all of your education and all of your struggle and all of your art yeah. and everything you've so, done is all put into that joke. Or or that song, or that movie, or whatever yeah. it is, and so it does become empty, we all get it, but they don't care <laughs> so
2: I, I know they don't, that's I the know problem. The, and that's the problem, is that, the, so, so the real risk, is that they don't realize that, like we know that every joke every joke you hear that makes you laugh it has to be a new joke, you've never laughed at the same joke twice, unless it's one of your favorites that you're replaying, but you know, every time I write a joke, it has to be a joke no one's heard before, right and the same for you guys, we know that The executives don't. And so the worry is that they're going to try, that somebody is gonna, some tech idiot is gonna rain make them with some dumbass thing. You feed all your scripts in and it'll make new shows for you and they'll spend five years trying to make that work and the audience will hate it because people already fucking hate AI art and people are gonna be so sick of it a year from now. But But will they be
1: able to tell that it's empty and vapid and doesn't really come from a real place?
2: Yeah, because the problem is there's
0: a lot of human created art that already feels like AI that already feels empty and vapid and people are fucking yeah, sucking it Yeah, watch network up. television. But I love that you're not feeling an existential threat as an artist and as a writer from AI. That not
2: from the technology, from the people. I, exactly.
0: Yeah. That, which the existential threat exists from those same people always because exactly. it's all about look. Like, how can exactly. we strip away your value and get your product out of your head. So that exactly. actually makes me feel good. Another thing that made me feel good, uh, and we should uh, pivot into calls, great, is uh, you... I was talking about what a what a great advocate you've been for this strike, and uh, and I walked the line today. It was uh, my first day I out. I saw there. you there, uh, and you did not say hi, and that really hurt me uh, <laughs> when I realized. He snubbed I, him at that strike. I said
2: to my girlfriend, "Oh, I'm going on this podcast later. <laughs> but I won't felt, say
0: hi." It felt really good, and it felt like I I, I felt really proud, and uh, yeah. because the the writing for TV that was my dream, uh, yeah. uh, more than even making it as a stand up. I was like, I want to write for TV someday, and then having it become my job, and then feeling like uh, that that there are people advocating for that job to be able to continue to sustain me and to be able to advocate for myself. It was just a nice experience. I've never, I've never been on a picket line before and it just felt good. Um, And uh, what also made me feel good was my day is i get up. I open my computer. I download toxicity into my brain. I go to, I read the news. Then I go to worldstarhiphop.com. Then I go to Reddit Slash Public Freakout. This is my day, every single day. You go to World Wait, Star Hip Hop still. This uh, is what you're don't.
1: doing when I'm like, can we? Can you help me get the kid ready? for Yeah, school? yeah. I'm
0: like, honey, I'll be there in one second. I just have some important information. I thought you
1: were reading the news. Anyway, or Anyway, I was on
0: r slash Public Freakout, which is my favorite subreddit. I can't and, believe this
2: is what you're doing in the and morning. And
0: there you were, and I was like, oh no.
2: I was on r slash Public Freakout. <laughs> I
0: go, oh no. I'm like, oh I no. I did not even know
2: this Reddit existed, and now I'm on it.
0: And I knew what I was going to see in the comments was like. This fucking cuck, you know, he's talking about, you know, uh, writers' rights and and labor for writers. These fucking elite Hollywood fucking idiots, uh, you know, g- you know, get a real problem, bitch. And I click it. I go, oh no, and I click it, and the comments. I'm sure it's changed since then because it's been a, it's been a week, yeah. but it was all, hey, look, a positive public freakout. That's like a, a an in lingo in the in the r slash public freakout. Oh, this is a wholesome public freakout. Wait, you're into like yeah. the
1: public freakout.
0: Well, it includes. Fights, you know, I love a street fight, honey. You know, that's sort of my bread and butter. It includes Karen videos. There's a lot of great stuff on there. The point is, there you were defending writers' rights in defending Hollywood writers' rights, and everybody in the comments that I read was like, "This is awesome." I've never heard it articulated in that particular way. These are not Hollywood writers. These are just like fucking Reddit users who were all basically going like, "Right on." This guy summed it up. This makes sense. Yes, I love that he's fighting for labor rights. Blah blah blah. And that a little bit gave me hope. Uh, that this struggle, which is really a workers' rights struggle, it's, yeah, it is. it's not really a Hollywood struggle, is relatable and can and, and I gotta go
2: read this thread. It'll make me feel nice. What if
1: they give you everything except AI?
2: You
0: can't answer that.
2: I, 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 actually, I actually, yeah. No, I, I can't answer that because we, like I cannot because we have a bunch. Look, we have a lot of issues on the table. They're all really important to us. Um, and, you know, you're not going to win everything. And I can't say which is more important than what, because then the fucking AMPTP, which is the organization we negotiate against, will listen to the podcast and go, oh, well, Adam said they don't care about that. Okay, well, They're I'll give you auditors. a hot tip. But AI,
1: don't let them uh, slip on the AI.
2: Uh, amtpt or whatever you are you listening (laughs) motherfuckers he ain't gonna let you slip on the ai we uh, we are we are not going to because the fact that they stonewalled on that issue it was like a red alert scary people people were like literally there was debate about is this a big deal issue or not and when they said that and literally oh so the only thing they said when when they when we were like why won't you respond to this they were like well, we don't want to put any restrictions on technology we might want to use.
0: And they're clicking their like long fingernails together. That's
2: what they yeah, You say, Nosferatu,
0: are you on this? Are you negotiating right <laughs> now? That's so scary. That is
2: so scary. It, we, is so scary. I hate it. It's terrifying. And we need to put those uh, things in place. And by the way, AI is, uh, and we should really call this like imitation technology because that's the main thing it does. It imitates stuff that's been input. It is hurting actors right now. There was There's a case where Apple made AI narrators for audiobooks Actually, a pretty good use case for that kind of technology, because you you know like um, someone might want to listen to an audiobook where not enough people want to listen to the audiobook where it's worthwhile to record right however, what they were doing was they were taking the AI voice prints of real actors right. real voice actors and making it making it without telling them because there was a clause in their contracts that allowed their voices to be used that way, and these were sag after actors crazy and and they had to go th- uh, like i think I think they might be litigating about it now, but like that's That is literally stealing work from them. You know,
0: all things lead back to r slash public freakout because there's been a number of uh, fight compilations that are narrated by, I'm not joking, President Barack Obama. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It's it's Barack Obama's voice and he's just like, he fucked up when he walked into this dark alley. And I swear to God, that's real. Okay, but here is Uh, the ultimate
1: question. (laughs) What do they want us to do? They just want everyone. I mean, what's the idea that there's like just nine billionaires and that no one has any money and no jobs this to buy a, any of their exactly fucking crap. It. it doesn't make any sense.
2: This is exactly it. And, and that is what they're trying to do. So, what the I wish I said this up top. What the negotiation is really about is that they're trying to destroy television writing as a career and film writing as a career. They're trying to turn it into gig work, into something where there's a couple showrunners who maybe they pay a, you know a lot of money to, but there's no writers in the middle, and those showrunners just say uh, they they get the ability to farm out a script to a freelancer every once in a while. So maybe you can make you know five thousand bucks once a year by writing one script that takes you a month, and you're like, oh, my dream came true, and yet I'm still working at the stop and shop, right? Um, that's what they want it to be. Um, and they want to keep the money for themselves and it 's incredibly self defeating because like it first of all, what kind of economy is that where a couple people have a, have billions and then everyone else <laughs> is just like punching up AI or like you know manning the the self checkout machine at the grocery store, which I think is a perfect metaphor for what they 're trying to do they 're trying to turn our work into into instead of we used to have six writers now you got one you know you got six self checkout machines with one poor MOOC like having to like deal with the uh, uh, you know making the technology work um, but it 's also going to fuck up the industry because what made Hollywood a great industry was that this made American media, the most valuable media property product in the world, right? People around the world buy what we make. The reason they do is because this is the one place in America where writers could get paid. Writers, since F. Scott Fitzgerald and Faulkner came here to like write movie scripts because they could make a lot of money and drink themselves to death in a wonderful, you know, patterned wallpaper uh, house like this,
0: while getting their dick sucked by a, uh, <laughs> a registered nurse, right? Exactly Sumner, right, Sumner style. And,
2: and so, if they can't, if writers aren't paid that way anymore, then writers aren't going to come here anymore, and the industry is going to wither and die. So we're saving it from from ourselves, and even, from be, and even beyond
0: that, it's so short-sighted because I'm a better writer than I was when I started writing for TV. Now. Yeah. And and that's because I have been able to forge a life in the in of experience and of craft. And I'm sure you are too and I know you are too. It's like it doesn't make any sense what they want, but I don't think sense is the thing. When you're looking at algorithms and numbers and profit margins, you're not thinking about that folksy fucking like you know, godfathery, like wink and a nudge, uh, Dantana kind of business. It's more, you're just looking at a computer screen. So anyway, thank God in that. I think that's a good way to wrap this up. Thank God that we have a union that can speak louder than the individual voice of any one writer
2: who and can yes. kind of Thank fight you for it.
1: spearheading it. I yeah. mean, it's really great because you Are you from the Midwest?
2: I'm from uh, Long Island, New York. Actually. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah.
1: Cuz you had kind of a Midwest accent. I wasn't oh. sure. Maybe maybe you make that more prevalent for um
2: When you talk about working or, uh, workers' <laughs> yeah, yeah. rights and the labor <laughs> <laughs> union.
0: Well, yeah, well,
2: you know, when I was working down at the
0: auto plant. It sounds yeah. better than well, you know, I was working at the No, it sounds <laughs> they both sound right. They both sound right. But, but I really I don't know I, Long Island I don't know. I'm not an accent guy. By the way, I got, I got embarrassed by your, your Obama too. It was so much better than mine. Let's move on.
1: Well, I'm just saying it's great that you exist. Um, and that you are able to find the, um, I don't know, just the optimism to do this. Yeah. Because that's hard because I'm so cynical. I can't even have, Well, that's interesting. A
0: a, a union rep has to be both incredibly cynical and incredibly optimistic Mm. at the same time.
2: It's, you ha-
1: definitely have the optimism.
2: It's the fucking coolest thing I've ever done. Like, That's I awesome. was at the picket line today. I was there from yeah, I 10 a.m. 10 <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, how long were you there, man? I was there from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I was there all day long. Yeah, I was
0: there exactly as long which as no, 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 I'm lying, I'm lying. I was there. Which studio? I'm I'm I was there for four, four. I think I was there for four. Which, four which
1: studio has the most shade? Oh, my
2: God. That's uh, where I'll go
0: tomorrow. No, I can tell you the dynamic, and you can't speak to this because they're all equal, um, but... Uh, Disney is where you go when you're a little older and you need some shade and you just need to not walk too much. Um, Paramount is when you're kind of like you're you're our age. You're kind of like a Gen Xer and you're kind of you like old Hollywood. And Netflix is where you go to get laid and get coke.
2: A (laughs) hundred percent. Netflix is like Netflix is like so horny and like it's because it's all the it's all the East Side renters. It's like all the writers. It's all the Gen Z writers. Sounds like Um, some hot
1: guys might be there. Yeah you should go down. It's
2: incredible there. And by the way at some of these other studios, the picket lines are there to like stop trucks from going in. That's the purpose. We're trying to because st- Teamsters don't cross picket lines. The Teamsters is the one who's, who delivers the trucks. That's another union that's supporting us. And, um, so that's the purpose when we're at universal or paramount and Netflix, we're just picketing the Netflix office building because we can see the Netflix people up in the building and like horns are honking. They're like looking down at us. Like we are just letting them know, Hey, your fucking talent, instead of pitching inside that building, we're outside letting you know that we're pissed and it's so much fun. It, it is so, uh, it makes me so optimistic to be out there because like, We are up against the machinery of capitalism, right? I was making fun of Ted Sarandos and David Zaslav, It's not about these individual guys there. If, if they were, you know, to drop dead today, a new CEO would come in and do the same thing. It's about the machinery of capitalism. It's what wall street is demanding. It's what the stockholders are demanding. They're demanding them to press our labor down and fuck us up. And we are fighting back with nothing but our humanity. Literally, we're just 12,000 people who talk to each other. That's all I do as a union rep is I talk to folks like you, literally any union member who wants to talk to me on the phone. If they get my number, they text me, I'll call them on the phone. We have millions of one-to-one conversations like that we have big meetings you know where hundreds of writers get together we talk about the issues um and then we generate unity of purpose by organizing each other by by having we have captains who who you know text you and say hey would you come out to the picket line today we need more people um uh, hey uh, what are your issues what are you concerned about let's talk we generate that unity of purpose and then we collectively decide democratically we're not willing to work anymore unless we get this this and this this is what we need and then we go fucking do it and we just say we're starving you out and we don't have high tech we're just emailing each other you know we're just calling each other on the phone and and like making signs with cardboard and here's the thing it's gonna fucking work we're gonna kick their asses i'm a hundred percent sure of this (laughs) We're going to kick their asses and then they'll fuck us again three more years. But,
1: but at least you'll get, you know, when AI, in three years, AI is going to be like, yes, oh. if you
2: can get me three years based on the way AI is going, I feel like
0: it'll be good. Look, I'll step off the bow of the ship in a climate disaster.
2: Look, this is the way the Writers Guild and unions across America have won everything that mm. workers have. This is why we have health care. This is why we have pension. It's why we have residuals at all is because writers in the past took this step and everyone said, oh, they're fucking idiots. They'll never make it. It'll never work. And they won those basics contract protections and they and they beat those those evil old studio bosses Um, but they did it uh, often under worse conditions that we uh, than we're under right now and now it's our turn to step up and do it and we're going to kick their asses because they they need us. they, I'm pumped. they fundamentally fundamentally oh, yeah. us. We go- should be
0: pumped. Yeah, we're going to the picket line tomorrow, Natasha. Yes. And
1: I. Yes, I'm bringing a parasol.
0: Well, I'm actually going to Netflix cuz I got uh, just uh, I just had some eye candy I want to look at. But Natasha's going <laughs> to head on over to Disney.
1: I'll go to Disney where the people are <laughs> oh, you go walkers. to Disney.
0: You go to Disney. Go ahead. <laughs> um okay, great. Well, thank you for joining us. We're not done. Uh, by any uh, We're just we ha-
1: we do have a oh, few calls. Yeah. we got some
0: calls. I mean, we have a we have a, a format and uh, we got so uh, caught up in talking about this great stuff uh, that- uh, Wait, hold on. I forgot all about it. Should
1: we them. do one call or two calls? Let's see long okay.
0: okay, let's do it. We, our first call, basically, the format is people just call us. They ask for advice. You can make great. fun of them. You can give them real advice. You can do whatever you want. Uh, we're okay,
1: g- we're going to call James from Chicago.
0: James from Chicago. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. Does your ass crack smell funky? Because if it does- you might want to check out Lumi. It's deodorant for everywhere.
1: As an OBGYN, Lumi's founder, Dr. Shannon Klingman, met thousands of women concerned with odor below the belt, and through clinical testing, she discovered it wasn't the vagina to blame, but bacteria on the skin.
0: That's what I've been saying this whole time. It's not the vagina to blame. If your butthole smells bad or your balls smell disgusting, why do you only put deodorant in your armpits, put it in your dick pits, put it in your butt pits, put it in your pussy pits. Listen, Lumi is here for your pits, privates, and beyond. And you know how long this stuff lasts? Freaking 72 hours.
1: So, this doctor created Lumi. It's a pH-optimized, aluminum-free deodorant that actually works and works everywhere with over 150,000 five-star reviews to prove it.
0: Listen, stop stankin' and start lumi we've got a crazy offer for you, which is that you'll get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with the code HONEYMOON at LumiDeodorant.com. That's 40%, more than 40% off the starter pack when you visit LumiDeodorant.com and you use that code HONEYMOON.
1: As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code HONEYMOON at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code honeymoon. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com.
0: Hey Tosh. Yeah I've been watching a lot of matchmaker shows lately and I realize that we are hooking people up with such a cool deal with Talkify because we're bringing a matchmaker right into their computer.
1: Listen, why do you keep trying the same methods over and over if you know you're just setting yourself up to fail? It's time to say goodbye to swiping This is what I'm telling everybody and bring back the human touch to dating with Talkify.
0: Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship success.
1: Their trusted compatibility specialists hand select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively.
0: Basically, the matchmakers at Talkify meet with you, they learn what you're about and what you're looking for in a partner and then they select and screen potential match candidates for you doing background checks, video interviews and asking those tough questions that are maybe too awkward for a first date.
1: And Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of clients met their person within the first 12 matches. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: basically the matchmaker will plan your date introductions and handle all the communications for you. If you're stressed out and we get so many calls from people that are stressed out about how to meet somebody, why not try Talkify? It's something new and it might just work for you. In fact, as Natasha said, It's worked for 80% of their clients.
1: And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash honeymoon.
0: That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com slash honeymoon for 20% off when you become a client.
1: Talkify.com slash honeymoon. James. Hi, James.
0: Hey,
3: everyone.
1: Good to see
0: you. You're handsome. You have a great sweater. You have good glasses. You actually fit right in with the with the the tableau we have going on over here.
1: Um, it's oh, it's Moshe, Natasha, and our friend Adam Conover.
3: Hello, Adam. Good to see you. I actually uh, I started watching Adam Ruins Everything uh, a couple years ago after seeing you get shot in the face out of Eric Andre's ass. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) That got me, you know, Eric Andre brutally beating the shit out of me on Adult Swim brought a lot of new fans my way, surprisingly. You
3: got an extra one here.
2: (laughs) How can we help, James?
3: Well, I, uh, you know, I'm in um, a serious relationship, um, Mm -hmm. and I love my girlfriend very much um and she's super hot she's a dime you know i fuck yeah brother way out of my league fuck yeah (laughs) dude
0: that's what Um, counts that's what counts my friend
3: exactly um except for one uh one element Uh she is constantly farting
0: oh interesting okay
3: Mm. you know i understand i'm not a monster we all do it it's it's natural you know maybe it's (laughs) It's a good thing she means. It means she's comfortable with me, Um, but it just totally kills the mood. It's like a foghorn. Is it? Oh, um, so
0: she's like a punk rock farter. She's like an out loud. Hey, check or Maybe this a out.
3: hippie. I mean, it, it almost there's almost an element of performance to uh-huh, it. A performance <laughs> like farter, just to, to and, get and a reaction. And you any, said you but, said
2: uh, foghorn. Oh, so it's really audible. That's my question. Is, no, he, he meant foghorn
0: yeah. leghorn oh I I I I, I got a fall right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it well I thought yeah, about like that. Yeah. But
3: it, it, it's, and she, te- she kind of revels in doing it when we're like cuddling, or mm, you know, when man. things maybe start getting hot and heavy.
0: When you're, um, when you're in a romantic
2: situation.
3: Yeah, at least what I perceive to be. Maybe that's a, a misread on and my is she, situation. And is
2: she doing it in that moment? Is it is is it as a joke? Is she trying to get a laugh? Like are you you know if you're you're making out, you're getting hot and heavy, and then she lets a toot fly because she's trying to break the tension and she wants to, you know, get, get a chuckle out of you. Is that do you feel feel that that's the motivation every time, or or is there something else going on sometimes?
3: No, I genuinely think she is she's just like fuck it I'm letting this one rip I don't really care there is a
0: possibility that you, you said you were punching way out of your league which is hard for me to imagine because you're like straight up look like um like a model for kind of like a futuristic earthy tones kind of hemp clothing line kind of a thing <laughs> but so that means is, is it possible if you're punching way out of your league that she's doing it like when you guys get romantic she does it to put a stop to the romance because you're so much profoundly uglier than she is as you admitted yourself and she's like I'm not trying to go there with you
3: you know that that could be it. I was thinking mm-hmm. like, if I could spin zone it, maybe <laughs> on it, the case. Maybe it's a cue for me that she's not she's not ready to go. I don't think which so. Then I takes the pressure off me. But I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm uh, I do
0: all right. You're so. a handsome man. I I mean. The answer here is very obvious to me. I don't know, Adam. Are you having a feeling? I, I, Natasha? Have a couple,
2: I have a couple thoughts to share, but I want to know what Natasha says. Well,
1: I will tell you, like, I, I grew up not farting, and that was not a thing you did in public. And I would never, it w- it's like appalling.
0: She was big like Veruca Salt because uh, she held in so many farts as she was growing up. No,
1: listen, it was Battle just like Beauregard? never a thing that you would ever do. And then I remember when I met Moshe, we were hanging out with some of his friends from the Bay Area, and this girl would like fart and be like, oh, excuse me. And like, I had never heard anyone fart and say, excuse me. Like if I farted, I would just like be, you know, like just be like, oh, what's up here? you know, like and then Moshe was like, oh, that's a real Bay Area thing. Like, you know, it's like kind of hippie. They just kind of own it. And I was like, OK, well, I'm glad I'm not that. But it's clearly like from her, uh, you know, her childhood, maybe like.
0: Like she thinks it's OK. On,
1: on some like it was level. Not, yeah. And it's good in a way that it wasn't like I I would just be like. It, it, it was it wasn't even something you would think about. Doing. Like,
2: you know, my uh, my girlfriend and I have been together 14 years now. And and it's like, uh, first of all, I grew up in a very fart-free you mean and fart free family. Fart. It was free of farts or free to we, fart. We, we farted a lot. OK, we're, we're fart, okay. Pretty, you were free, yeah. Farting. Yeah, free I, farting. I, family. I for <laughs> most of my life thought that the only thing that was rude was if other people could hear you fart mm. that I, I thought as an adult, you're supposed to be able to do a silent, you know, <laughs> yeah. move the butt cheek and get the sure. fart out. But then people would be like, "Dude, why'd you fart? It's smelly." And I'm like, "Well, you can't.
0: You can't not fart. You
2: can't not fart." And they'd be like, "Hold it in." The Conover family
0: crest says you can't not (laughs) fart. I learned at like 25 that
2: other people just like clench. Yeah, and I didn't even know that. You know, Natasha
0: and I have been clenching our entire relationship—not a joke.
2: And then you get
1: like a stomachache. Yeah, Yeah. we've had a stomachache our whole relationship.
2: (laughs) This to me, this to me is horrible because I do think part of the part of the the point of being in a close relationship is to get to be your unvarnished self around a person and to not have to hold it in after 14 years together. Um, On the other hand, there is a level of propriety where you know I try to to not fart in situations that are going to bother my girlfriend. So my last thought is, if it's happening specifically around sex, James, Mm -hmm. is, because the thing that me and my girlfriend will do is we'll try to make each other laugh while making out, but sometimes it's coming from a place of anxiety because we're like, we're making out and we're like, Oh, but actually do, Oh, am I really in the mood right now? How do I feel? I'm not entirely sure. And there's just a little bit of anxiety. And so we'll make a joke to cut the tension. And we started to realize that that was getting in the way of us actually having sex, you know, Mm. because we were, we were bailing out, you know, rather than committing. And so I wonder if there's maybe an element of Mm. that just with the sex part, is there maybe some other sexual tension that you could work through? Yeah, she's not stupid.
1: She knows that's like a weird time to be like ripping ass, right? <laughs> that and she, yeah, I
2: and like she's it. got a great ass, so it's yeah. like <laughs> no, we can I mean,
3: a little bit pickle bro, here,
0: brother. We can smell it from here. We know. So the but- question <laughs>
1: is, Ken, Alex, is that your name?
0: James. James.
1: Ken James. James, tell her.
0: What? Well, it- that to was, stop that, farting. Well, that that's what I was going to pick. Okay, I have an addendum. I have a, a yes and to Adam and an addendum to what you're saying. I think that Adam's right. I think the idea... This woman is clearly a Conover-style free-farter. Uh, that's her vibe. That's who she is. You don't want a different woman You want this woman. This woman. One of the things about her, one of the picadillos about her, is that she likes, thinks it's funny to fart and to do it freely and 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 often. And she picked you because you're James and you're super handsome uh, and United Colors of Benetton style. And she and you are a person. One of your picadillos is uh, the you're normal, (laughs) 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 that you don't particularly. It's not really your thing. So you guys got to find a a a middle ground. But the problem is that neither of you are, te- are, especially you, James. No one's saying it. No one's saying like, "Look, I love you. I love the, the way you are." The farting thing for me, when we're being intimate, especially, mm. is just takes me out of the moment. Like, I love you, and I don't want you to change yourself. I know that I'm with a far a free farter, and but. But when we're getting, well, there are certain situations in which I'd like for that, you know, for me, it's not about you. It's not, it's just somebody has to say it out loud. I think that's the very clear answer. You're at the intimacy level. She's at the intimacy level where she can fart in front of you. You need to get to the intimacy
2: level where you can express how you feel about said farts. Do you think? I would agree with that. I think you, it's, all about, it's all about communication. Is there ever a moment in Ms. James where she farts and you do find it funny?
3: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's some <laughs> really loud ones that are.
2: Good. Right. They're right. objectively
3: funny. What the you just fuck is help.
2: her problem?
0: Adam <laughs> found an inn. Yes. <laughs> I like
2: so this is how I, because sometimes I fart around, you know, I'll fart around Lisa and she'll laugh. Right, and then and then another time I'll fart around her and she'll be like, "Oh, why'd you do that?" I'm like, "I'm getting mixed messages, honey." Uh. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you laugh, and so now I try to set it up. So what I do is I go uh, like at night I'll go like, "Hey, you want to hear a really good fart?" And if she says yes, then can you imagine if I said that to you Natasha? And then <laughs> we she'll, don't do that. And then, no. and then her bit is she'll she'll describe what the fart sounds like. So she'll say, "Oh, that sounds like a duck opened a door." <laughs> Um, But then sometimes she says Not right now And I'm like Okay Yeah and then I go to our our backup bathroom and I fart in there.
0: I mean, you know, we've said it often <laughs> on the podcast. Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and you, it sounds like you literally need disinfectant in your house. Like, it, I think it is time to just say that, say it out loud. The thing—it's very uncomfortable, but she's clearly comfortable and enough she, in front of you to fart. That means she's got to be comfortable enough with you to have a conversation about but about it.
1: Also, I will say she's kind of like getting off on the fact that she knows that you think that yeah. she's too hot for you. So I think that's maybe why you're I'm not saying it's true. It's just your energy around her is that you feel very lucky to be with her and she might be picking up on that a little bit. So I think for mm. your own growth, maybe you are OK with letting her know that even though you, f- you feel she's out of your league, it's OK to say that to her. And it's only I don't think it would push her away. And if it did push her away, it's probably for the best.
0: Yeah. If, because if, it's
1: annoying to you. And, you and you got her. So you'll get another hot chick.
0: Yeah. James, we feel <laughs> we've helped you in, um, amazingly.
3: Absolutely, I can, appreciate. Can you I have that talk. conversation? You think? I think so. And and Natasha is the only female uh, on the panel today on the fart panel. It's all about <laughs> not making her feel as a woman unsexy when she farts. You can, can be sexy. You're when
1: she very farts. <laughs> attracted to her. You can just say like, "I like that you're you," but maybe when we're like intimate or, I don't know, laying down with each other. There's got to be some kind of, like, guideline. Like, you know or cause...
3: spooning with her I, that oh I'd my god it Jesus Christ this
0: is too much for me but I think okay I, yeah I think the language of it takes me out of the moment not mm. I think it's gross when you yeah. it's like I get I get out of the moment it literally blows me out of the bed and I and I'm slammed into the the, the, the wall but you know just it takes me out of the moment sometimes and when we're being intimate or there's certain situations when we're together the farting even though I love it and I think it's so great I love the foghorn I sometimes want a silent <laughs> a silent lovemaking James. All right. We- good luck, honey. Good luck. Good luck.
3: Fair enough. Thanks, everyone.
0: Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh? You know, I'm a client of ZocDoc. What about cha? Uh,
1: I am. I actually love it. It's so superior. You know, I'm a bit of a Luddite, but this makes me happy for tech.
0: This is worth the impending doom from AI because what it does is it takes out all the headache of trying to find a doctor's appointment. You put in what's going on with your body, you put in where you live, and it will give you qualified candidates for doctoring that are as close to you as you want and are available sometimes the same day.
1: You know what happens? You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms, and then you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Just go see a doctor. You can see them on your phone. I know no one wants to leave their phone for five seconds. You can talk to your phone and get advice. Just don't go on TikTok.
0: You can just filter the doctors. Distance, available today. Hotness, they'll let you select the hottest doctor in town. That part's not true. Go to ZocDoc because it's the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun.
1: And when you find the right doctor, you can feel it. You feel heard and at ease.
0: Go to ZocDoc.com slash Honeymoon and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours.
1: That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Honeymoon. ZocDoc.com slash Honeymoon.
0: We do. We have a secrets hotline where people call and leave their deep, dark secrets. So let's play a few of those. And then we'll see where we're at. Great.
4: Hey, you guys. So I... I am a 28-year-old woman, and I hate peeing in pools. Like, I hate that as a concept. I think it is so disgusting, and it seems like no one else shares this viewpoint. So if I'm at my apartment pool, a hotel pool, pool party, let it be known. I'm watching you, and I'm watching everyone to see... If they go back into the public restroom, back to their apartment, whatever, all day, because usually they're eating, drinking, whatever, there's no possible way that you don't have to get up and pee if we're at the pool for six hours. You know what I mean? So I'm watching you. I'm clocking you. And if you don't get up to pee, I know that you peed in the pool, and I'll never look at you the same.
2: Oh, my Bye. God. This, this this What a miserable person.
0: Her yeah it's this, so funny
1: that's th- not to common to pee in a pool
2: she's, she's uh, uh, i'm sorry can't, let, let me let oh, me well,
0: give, adam obviously pees in pools based on his reaction <laughs> to that secret no no, no I, I i don't <laughs> adam
1: I, you cannot come over to
2: our pool i did when i was younger of course i don't anymore I, I did when i was a little kid but but my belief is if you're getting into a pool you need to just accept there's pee in that I, pool Accept what's you, happening you, in there you cannot stop it like i i i also agree people should, people should not pee in the pool if there are people other than you in the in the pool there's pee in there. And you cannot live your life trying mm. to be the person trying to stop people from peeing in the pool. You're sitting at the pool and you're watching other people. Like, They've been in there. They've been in there. They haven't been peeing. Like, what, what like how how what a way to ruin that experience for yourself? It is a funny
0: day at the at, at a pool to just be like, what did you do at the pool today? Was it fun?
2: Well, primarily I was clocking
0: whether or not people were urinating in the public Yeah, rest And room. I was like, stressing
2: out about it and I was angry. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, look people the, the the pool is full of people's bodily fluids people are getting in the pool. people are covered in shit all the time yeah. yeah they also didn't wipe their asses before they got in the pool that i'm sorry true. like right. they're they're everybody is leaking from every orifice that's what a pool fucking is so not deal if you with have it. your own yeah there you go
0: and that's what we're fighting for that's what the guild <laughs> is fighting for right now on the line for every writer to get their own swimming pool all right let's play another secret
4: yo, i seen this number on the back of a car. I got a juicy-ass secret. Hell yeah. So I want to say I've been with my, my, my baby's mother for what? We're high school sweethearts, so we've been together since freshman year. And we're still together at the time. We're 20 years old now. My secret is I've cheated on her at least with 15 to 16 different women throughout that time. She has no idea. All she knows is that I've cheated on her once.
0: Oh, now, that was, that was juicy, my man. Are you man. sure not
1: 16 to 17 or <laughs> at least, 14 to 15?
0: <laughs> the phrasing at least 15 to 16, like the at least being vague and the 15 to 16 being like kind of exact, but also not really exact. 15.5, what yeah. did he tell you? Oh, man, that is, uh, I, I feel bad laughing because this guy is a sociopath and is torturing this poor woman. But I
1: know, my kid's always asking me how old she can be when she has kids. And I'm like, well, you know, she's like, how old were you? I was like, well, I was 45 she's like how old can you be i'm like well you know you could be a teenager but you don't really want to have kids when you're a teenager and i stand by that
0: you should just play with this secret when she gets like when she hits puberty and be like this is what you're this is the kind of men that are out there
2: yeah oh my god 14 i got 15 or 16 times and i've had 20 to 21 additional kids
0: (laughs) (laughs) was there any doubt in anyone's mind when he was gearing up to say baby's mother that he was about to say the phrase "baby's mother," like I saw that coming so far down the pipe. I wonder. Yeah, this guy. I don't, what do I say about this guy? Not that's that's juicy, but not nice. I don't my think friend. he
1: listens to the podcast. No. So. Yeah. We can call him scum.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, scum. Tell your girl. Break up with a girl. How about that? Break up with a girl. Yeah. Well, let her yeah. know. Don't lie Break to her. Break up with a girl. What do you? You're clearly too horny to be with one woman. Go be with other women, and then be honest. It's so yeah. easy. And then go fart and pee in a pool. Yeah, why not? All right. One more.
4: Hi, Tosh. Hi, Mosh. I'm calling to do a little bit of a professional work secret. Um, I used to be the assistant for this really bad man in Hollywood, and he was horrible to everyone around him, especially his employees. And he set up a system in his phone that if he doesn't answer a call, it would go to my phone. I don't work for him anymore. I quit, but his calls still go to my phone. (laughs) And I just let them, and I haven't told anyone on his staff. And he's missing very important calls from very important people. (laughs) And this is just a little bit of my getting back at him for being such a jerk to me. But then his kids' school called, and now I feel kind of bad. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Bye. I mean, this is such a great moral question because uh, like, you want to say it's okay, right?
0: Yeah. Depends on who it is. I'd well, need a but name. let's say he's yeah. the
1: worst person. Let's say he's it's a rapist. Harvey Weinstein. Let's say he's the absolute worst yeah. person. Is it okay to do that? What would if Jesus it, do?
0: What would Jesus do if Harvey Weinstein's phones were being diverted <laughs> to his cell? <laughs> I'm just
1: saying... Could you live with yourself if karma is a thing and you're creating your karma in these like little moments? Is uh, it, are you doing more harm to yourself? I,
0: I like this one. What do you think, Adam?
2: I mean, uh, look, you, you don't owe you don't owe anybody redirecting their mail. You know what I mean? You
1: never excuse error in,
0: in
2: against it, someone's it, favor. <laughs> look, I, I I'm the kind of person. You know, if I, if I see look, I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of misdirected email because I have an old email address that was just my first initial instead of my name. And so I get a lot of email for other people. And sometimes I reply and I say, you emailed the wrong person, you know? Uh, but sometimes I'm like, I mean, fuck this person that they set my email address as their Bank of America email address. <laughs> and now I have access to their bank statements. I'm not going to go out of my way to find them. Like, I don't have time to do that. And so she could take that that approach with the guy and say, I fuck this guy and his whole company. Yep. They'll figure it out. They like uh, they don't need me to go out of my way to say, you know. Well, it's like, d- revenge
0: is often difficult to choreograph. And this person choreographed it for her. Like, yeah. the evil man... Al- Brought the revenge to her door. I don't think I would have it redirected. I
1: probably would.
0: Uh, oh, you're, maybe uh, you're a good person. I, I,
1: uh, I just don't want it. Like I, I just need all the help I can get. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, what should we do? How about you? Have, you want to.
1: Yeah, this is good.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's been long enough. Okay, cool. Um. Well then I'll tell this. I'll say this last thing. So you were saying about uh, redirecting mail. What would you yeah. do in this situation? We okay. got mail recently. Okay. Don't know the addressee. I called the former owner of the, of the house and he didn't know this addressee. It was three letters, two from the DOJ, one from the FBI.
2: Whoa. And I was
0: like, if I was this person, I would desperately want to know that the DOJ and the FBI was after me. So I did a lot of work to try to find this person. And I actually contacted the Department of Justice because I have a contact there. <laughs> <laughs> and he, no information. We
2: threw it in the garbage.
0: Yeah, You threw that in the garbage? Or, or return to sender, I guess, That's is what That's what we I was going to do. Yeah, yeah,
2: return to sender. I well, mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the bureaucracy. They'll, they'll find the person. That's their job. You know, it's not necessarily yours. Um, I think
1: it would feel really good to send a quick, curt email. Please have this off of my phone ASAP. hmm It would still, you'd still feel good. But, like, you can talk to them now like they're pieces of shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and you can be like, I was the good person and so fuck that. You know, like, I, I do find that... The, the the right decision is always the one that lets you sleep at night and know that you did mm. and you'll
1: still feel good yeah I think the
0: right decision is the one that allows you to fart in front of your partner at night I, I agree man Natasha and I could not have related to you less during that part but we related to you so much during you would uh, be uh,
2: so happy if you let it fly and I'm constantly I wouldn't I'd be single I'd be <laughs> single I'd be miserable I'd be, well, I'd be at your
0: house like hey can I come hang out <laughs> you don't want that you don't want that from me Um, Adam you're the best and we really Thank appreciate you. you coming by uh, the, when is this coming out? Uh, okay. So right. it'll, your, your dates. Well, do you have something you'd like yeah, to, to talk I can, about? I, can, dates pl- and I can
2: plug some dates here. Let me, let me pull them up real quick. Adam's a great
0: stand-up in addition to being an untiring uh, advocate for labor and uh, a a wonderful producer of television. Also a
2: great stand-up. Go see him live. Yeah, come see me in Tempe, Arizona, Batavia, Illinois, just outside Chicago, Baltimore, Maryland, and St. Louis, Missouri. And if you, uh, that's all all in May and June. And if you want to support The Strike, we have a fund that you can support, by the way. If you go to entertainmentcommunityfund.org, you click donate and you select film and TV from their drop-down menu, that money will go to support crew members actors other people affected by the strike and if you want to support me while i'm on strike come see me in batavia illinois Ooh, hell yeah <laughs> adam
0: conover thank you for joining us you're the best we appreciate hey, it thank you guys Thanks, adam. this is a blast